not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the Melfi and Prezzo Show. I'm your host, Prezzo. I'm your host, Melfi. How are you? Big dog. We've got Lebanese goat. How many goats? Big Timmy Nana. Welcome. Hey, gentlemen, how are you guys? Thanks for having me. Mate, what a pleasure. Hey, the cedar himself. Oh, mate, there's, uh, there's a lot of Lebanese hookers that play the game. Not many of us front rollers, but there's a few that's going for us. Tough enough. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we've all got the same body shape. We're all... Legit, in a Lebanese team, if you, like, just stood us all across each other, we'd all look the exact same. You're, like, you're a winger, you're... Yeah. <laughs> oh, How really... good. Mate, how scenes? Yeah. Good, man. Really good. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, enjoying the end of the season, watching the boys bash each other, and hopefully we can uh, watch some good footy towards the end of the year. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You're still involved in um, with Para and stuff? Or no, you're working more corporate stuff, aren't you? Or? Yeah, yeah. So I'm working with Para in the corporate side. So looking yeah. after a lot of our sponsors um, yeah. and doing some stuff with Para and Club as well. Awesome. And then, yeah, outside of that, I'm doing a whole range of other things. Um, I'm, I'm an ambassador for a few different companies. I'm doing some yep. work with a, a recruitment company as well. Yep. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so just a bit of running around, but enjoying it. Loving it. Keeps you busy, brother. Yeah. Body's feeling nice and fresh, mate, since retiring. Yeah, it is. I think I was pretty lucky, obviously, getting out. Before, I, didn't, I didn't really push it too much. I think retiring at 31, I was able to come out with my body intact. Um, you know, I got through my whole NRL period without surgery, which was, you know, knocking wood was. Uh, I heard of, now. No surgery at all. I had one surgery, but when I was a kid, so I broke my jaw in 16s. But other than that, I got through my whole career without surgery. Yeah, That's so it's pretty fortunate. Uh, I, quite, I had an interview with uh, Peter Wynn yesterday, and um, yeah, to see how his body turned out after three, I'm hoping I'm one of the lucky ones, I guess. Must have gone hard enough to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Post contact. That's what happens. I would just play it smart, mate. Just put the handbrake up. Start calling you Tim Smith, mate. I like that. Good. Um, so, Timmy, 233 games, mate. I'm just going to go through your stats because they're quite impressive. 233 games, all with Paris, a one-club man. Um, four representative games for City. Four Origins, one Prime Minister's 11, and five Lebanon. Yes. You agree, Captain? You're Captain, weren't you? No, no, no. Robbie Farrell's oh, Captain. He's, he's our Captain, mate. Who was it? Um, Who was? Charlie? Robbie Farrell. Robbie, Robbie Faz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Greatest Lebanon. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, amount of, the amount of time it took you to read my highlights is probably how long it will take to watch it as well. My highlights. <laughs> Mate, two hundred and thirty-three. Just your mate. I was more towards the one game than I did in my whole career. Oh but, yeah, how many you score? Uh, uh, I know getting six in my career. Yeah, yeah. Not many. Six, that's not bad. So, oh, yeah. 
I purposely yeah. left that part out. <laughs> <laughs> every every that 50, said though, every gonna, fifty games you're gonna try it. <laughs> oh, I've got a plaque on the wall of my parents' house. Under thirteens, seventy-two tries in one no. season. So, seventy-two so, tries. I was that big fat bloke that you know parents would have whinged about and said he's not third. That was me. I just I, yeah. Five meters out. Give Timmy yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> straight off, straight off again. Have a, have a rest. Have a break. Asian oh, syndrome, wasn't it? Yeah. Love yeah. It. How good, mate. So yeah, over your career, mate. I want to. Um, we'll start talking about that a little bit. Um, yep. From the early days. Yeah. Where did all? How did it all start? Mate, I started in soccer. To be honest, started playing soccer till I was about twelve. And then realised my body was probably a bit more designed for league. Um, made a switch as a 13-year-old. Um, played one year, the closest team. It was like a Bass Hill near my house. Um, that's where I got my 72 tries. And then after that, uh, they started playing Sundays in the Canterbury comp. And um, my parents used to go to church Sunday. So we looked for the closest team in the Parramatta comp, which was Guildford. And that's kind of how I ended up being a para junior, not a, a dogs junior. So... Uh, made the switch to Guildford the next year under 14s and that end of that year I got signed by Para as a 14 year old yep. and I've been, I've been at Para ever since Must be very hard to play with Para being Lebanese My first The first couple of weeks of my career I reckon I got called Cuz about oh, 40 times everyone tried to explain how they related to me somehow I had no idea who they were but <laughs> yeah just wanted to weed that out pretty quickly Hey, imagine your career yeah. in a blue and white jersey. Hey? Yeah, oh, mate, I, my family used to like ask for tickets to our games when I played the dogs, and they'd all rock up in their doggies jerseys going like, <laughs> cheering against me. So, and that happened my whole career. Like, that didn't change. They want you to score, but they lose 36. <laughs> mate, my first ever try was in the game to get into the grand final. It was a preliminary against the dogs in 09. Uh, and I scored a try to kind of like give us a lead. And my, all my family were watching at my, my um, auntie's house. She got up out of this chair, walked out of the room and didn't watch the rest of the game. Just pissed oh, off that I scored a try. Yeah. <laughs> that's great support. I love it. Yeah. That's good. That's awesome. So you made your way through, um, obviously, your 14 sign with Parramatta. And um, was that, you always want to be a professional footy player? Was that always your dream? Or, you know, it's uh, hard with, like, you know, ethnic families and wog parents. Like, some of the either world, you'd be really happy and just do what you want to do. Or they want to... A set path, a good career, and you know, <clears throat> not so just make money, but you know, safety. You know, was that something you went through in your family, or just when you, you know, just? Um, I, I, I had a bit of both. I had the best of both worlds. I obviously had family that were pretty keen for me to um, educate myself and and just have a fallback plan, but they also supported me with, with my dream, whatever I want to do. Um, I didn't really, you know, think I was going to be an NRL player until you know, probably. You know, it was 16, 17, things started to get a bit more real. I thought, okay, well, you know, this could actually happen. Um, so I did that. But once I finished high school, uh, I still went into my degree studying sports business. Um, and I'm pretty fortunate now that I had parents that kind of pushed that because now that I'm finished, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty fortunate to look back and see, you know, how much education I was able to get under my belt. And um, it's helped the transition post-football be a lot smoother as well. Yeah. That's awesome, mate. It's really important, you know. <clears throat> You know, you're 31, you've still got 30 years of work ahead of you, you know what I mean? Like, your yeah. career is, you yeah. know, 10 years seems, you know, a long time to do something. But, you know, another 30 years of work and, you know, in 10 years' time, you still another 20 years. So, it's important, you know, yeah. your, you know, players, even that, you know, they've made lots of money, contracts and stuff, they have actually planned their futures ahead because money can disappear quite quickly, can't yeah. it? If you don't. 100%, yeah. I, um, I remember coming through and guys like Nathan Kalis and, 
and Heine, you know, they just tell you, guys, be ready for when it finishes because he goes like that. It goes so quick. And I still got these guys and these old blokes here. they got no oh, idea. Yeah, yeah. And then it felt like the next day, I was that guy telling them, the kids that, you know, 10 years younger than me, that guys, make sure you're ready for post footy. So, yeah, it happens. It comes and goes really quickly. And um, and if you're not ready for it, it can definitely, like, it's caught a lot of people off guard as well when they finish footy. Um, I was I was pretty fortunate that I was always kind of getting myself ready for it. Um, I always say I was, I was kind of, I think I overachieved as a footy player and I've always kind of been a, like a more of an intellect growing up. So I made a career in footy, which is great, but I'm also looking forward about, looking forward for the next chapter and um, the corporate world, the business world is something that I think I'm pretty comfortable I can handle and want, something I'm looking forward to kind of diving into. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. That's awesome. Um, throughout your career, Timmy, um, who was the biggest influence, mate, within, within, within your career? Um, I'll just touch on, on Kalis then. Um, coming through, so obviously being a para junior from age of four, as the captain of the club, you know, captain of New Zealand, um, he was always a bit of like a hero of mine growing up. So that would get into the NRL squad at, at you know, 19 years old and have him, out of all people, kind of take me under his wing and, you know, put in extra time and after training, teach me some more skills and, um, even just me being able to just watch him the way he kind of handled himself um, was a huge, you know, you know, I guess blessing for me to be able to have someone like that to learn off. Uh, and so he had a big influence on my career. I don't even think he realizes how much of an impact he had. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you look back, obviously the older you get, the more you look back. You know, I had a high school footy coach that was you know really good. Had to you know, help set me up with some good behaviors and good um, you know, good habits. And you know, Joey Grimer was a coach I had at you know in para sixteens and eighteens and twenties. Uh, he, um, same thing, you know, he's the kind of guy that I really enjoyed playing for. Um, and just a lot of a lot of people along the way kind of helped contribute to help me come to play I am, but also become the man I am as well, which is more important. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty lucky. Yeah, awesome. It's, um, it's funny you say that, like, high school teacher, I think a lot of people kind of forget those early days and they kind of think of just the recent years, um, you know, whereas those real early days, the biggest mentors are people, you know, back when you're a child in your youth. Yeah. That's pretty important. Yeah, 100%. Remember those people? 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> it's sort of, because you captain 20s at Paramount, didn't you? Was it the first year? You were the first 20s captain, if I remember? Yeah, so the, my, my first year of 20s was when they started that Holden Cup, that 20s comp when you were on yes. TV. We thought, we thought we were killing it. Uh, but yeah, that was captain of that first thing as well, yeah. yeah. So was that kind of was that kind of like a, a funny, like not situation, but almost like you're almost professional footy players playing on TV in the highlights um, instantly? Because um, the early days were quite tough for people to adjust to it because you are almost professional at that stage, weren't you, really? And you were still kids. Um, yeah, yeah, it was... It's, it was a weird comp, like it's um yeah at the end of the day it's still twenties um yeah. but the first the first couple of years the quality was probably a bit higher because what you had was guys the year before that were playing reserve grade in the old system yeah they were coming back down to twenty so they you know they had it, I kind of felt like they were a lot more advanced and the twenties that came five six years later because they were just kids yeah whereas with our first year or two of the competition there were a lot of guys that had played against men and they were coming back to play in his twenties comp yeah yeah. Uh, and as the comp kind of went on and on, it was just, you know, 17, 18 year old kids just, just playing. So it kind of turned into a bit more of a free for all. The scores were always blowouts. And, um, but yeah, the first couple of years was actually really good quality footy. And um, yeah, it was really cool to be part of it. Enjoyed it. We had a good, we had a good squad, a good, good bunch of boys, and a good coach as well. 
Did you play with any of the boys that you kept on playing with Parramatta? Was, uh, you kept on playing with you? As, as in first grade? Yep. Yeah, so that, that age group we had, um, so we had Tony Williams in that age group. Yeah, yeah. Like the age group that we grew up with, so like my age, we're from 16 to 18, so we won the under 16, the Harold Max comp. But we had myself, Jared Hayne, Tony Williams, uh, Chris Keating, Trent Hodkinson, Tim Robinson, uh, Talima Tortai. We had, we had about nine first graders in our squad. So, uh, you know, usually if you get one or two out of, that, out of an age group, it's pretty strong. But we had nine, which is um, yeah, a pretty strong, talented squad. Mate, that's a pretty stacked yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. Big, big T-Rex when he first came on the scene, didn't he? Just yeah, well, he, was, he was our winger. He was this tall, wing, skinny, yeah. lanky, lanky winger when he started for us. And then he just kept growing and growing and getting thicker and thicker. And now he's, now he's in the front row. Well, is, he, is, it, is, it, is it Manly, isn't he? Is he playing Black, what, Blacktown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blacktown. So, sorry, Manly. There's no reserve grade comp this year. Yeah, so, it would have been probably playing Blacktown. But at the moment, it's just training. Yeah, just trying. Surprised yeah. you get a run, actually, this year, see T-Rex. Still two games left. <laughs> <laughs> might as well. Um, Timmy, highlight. I want to give you a couple of highlights of your career, mate. Um, obviously, you know, you've played a lot of games of NRL and then your representative games. If I was to ask you to pinpoint one moment, mate, of your career um, that stands out to you as your highlight, what would that be? Yeah, for me, I, I, I spoke about it before as well. It was a um, my first try against the Bulldogs. So it was, um, it was a 2009 preliminary final. It was my first year of first grade. Halfway through that year, we were coming like second last. And then we just went on this run where we just won like one or ten in a row. And we finished eighth just straight into the finals. Um, the first week of the finals, we beat the team coming first. And we beat the Gold Coast the next week. Then we played the Bulldogs, which was a record crowd. Uh, the atmosphere, I can still remember it. Like when you ran out, when they sold the tickets, they asked who you went for. So literally half the crowd was blue and white, half was blue and gold. And yeah. the whole game was just like back and forth. Like the, the energy was awesome. Um, I scored my first try in that game and we got to a grand final and that whole night was just really special. So yeah, as far as like fond, fondest memories, that's definitely up there with my favourite games. Who did you play in the grand final that year? Melbourne. Melbourne Storm. Yeah, yeah. That was um, Haynes' incredible run, mate, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was the year. It was untouchable. That's crazy. It probably leads us into the, uh, you know, the best player I've ever played with. Really. Yeah, yeah. It, but, you know, I know you, you, you and Haynes were pro- pretty close, weren't you? You know, you probably still are, obviously. But you had a bit yeah. of a relationship we saw um, on social media and stuff and quite close. Yeah, he, um, we were born on the same day as well. So literally born oh. the same day, same year. Yeah. Um, play with each other. We're 14 years old, so we've had a, yeah. There's a lot of history there. Uh, we, we yeah, we're, we're great mates. We still like I spoke to him just a couple of hours ago. Um, yeah, it was yeah. As far as the question of the best player uh, I play with, I can't yeah, I can't go past Jared. Not because he's my mate, but because talent-wise, I've never seen anyone be able to like uh, I guess control the game and and have an opposition in so much um, fear that as he had. Like there was literally games where like. Teams wouldn't they wouldn't go and attack attack him in defence. They would just let him do what he did because they were too scared to like yeah. stuff up. And when a player can do that, and you can, you've seen it happen with other players since then, but um, he's definitely one of those guys that I would say that yeah. was the best I played with. I remember when Haynes he came on the, on the scene. He kept getting intercepts on the wing. He was skinny, but was he as a junior a freak? Because when he first came through, they didn't think too much of him. I remember he sort of came out of nowhere. He was on the wing yeah. getting intercepts every yeah, week, yeah. and he was just and they didn't really think much of him. He just started rising and rising. People like Joey Manu came out of like slowly and became like a fucking superstar. 
Was he always in a freak at, at school? Was he like well, that best player on the field, or did he just come on when he was later and got more confident? Nah, he, he was always from from age of thirteen. He was always a freak. Yeah, like everyone had earmarked him to be a superstar. He um, yeah, like we played we played him in a junior league grand final, and he scored four tries <laughs> in the grand final. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're like in the under sixteens, like round one against West Magpies, he did like, chip and chases and just scoring. Like just everything he did was like. Well, you know, well above everyone else his age. Yeah. Um, he played reserve grade and then played first grade as like a seventeen or eighteen year old. Yeah. So even though he was probably a bit unheard of then, he was, he was oh, only a kid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're, we're all still playing eighteens that year. Like we're all still playing yeah. SG ball. And he was playing first grade. Uh, so he he jumped the gun to like he got there before all of us and um, yeah, yeah. It took him a couple of years I guess for everyone to kind of realize how much of a superstar he was. But he was um. Yeah. Yeah. Once he started, there was no stopping him. Yeah, he was the kind of guy that was always in the spotlight. Probably, um, you know, didn't deserve to be as well. You know, like you know, his training, um, how he trained, and you know, how how serious to his football. But he's playing first grade, wasn't he? So, um, he copped a lot, and that's so he. A lot of footy players do cop a lot of, a lot of shit. Obviously, um, sometimes undeserved. Yeah. Them. Jared was probably a person that copped a lot of it, you know, when he didn't deserve to be, you know, because he's a fucking human yeah. being. Um, well, he's he's actually, he's much, much smarter than people realise. So, um, especially when it comes to footy, like he's got a lot of footy smarts. Um, and he'd be a great person for you to have a chat with one day because he'd, he'd be really good to kind of pick the brain off in terms of training. So he's he's very passionate about, obviously he knows, what, you know, all, all the people that bagged him out about his performances of training. Yeah. Uh, one, there were people that, like myself, people that trained very good, but couldn't do what he did on the field. Um, so, you know, it's all good to be a good trainer, but if you can't deliver on the field, what's the point of being a good trainer? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but the, but the, his other argument, which, um, you know, he, he he couldn't really get the message across to coaches was, for some reason, coaches, when they coach a team, they, they want to have control over everyone and they just want everyone doing the same kind of thing. So everyone across the park, one to 30 players, we want you all training the same. And he's like he's been you know ahead of his years for years in this thinking, but he couldn't understand why a fullback who plays a different position and is a different athlete and almost playing a different sport to someone that's playing in the front row. Why yeah. are we doing the exact same training? Like, exactly right. Why do I need why, why do I need to be doing you know a seven k run when I need to be doing explosive speed work? So yeah. he'd he'd always fly that flag and the proof was in the pudding for him. Like he, you know he'd always deliver on the field. Um, but yeah, I still think it's going to be a few years time until coaches kind of look back and they're like, okay, maybe we had it wrong. Maybe we, yeah, you know, yeah. we should have just pulled them all together because we want to get the best out of them. We've got to kind of individualize it. And, and you guys probably know better than anyone yeah. in terms of you know, performance still- training. Yeah, and, and how to get the best out of a, a player. Because in two, I think 2012, I was at Wenny um, for an off season and I walked, we yeah. went and trained the para gym and you used to have all your scores and stuff. And was that yeah. right? And Hayes yeah, yeah, yeah. class and everything. Yeah. He was like, everything was like, he was like, I was like, fucking hell. Like, he must have been trying something. He's like, he's a freak. I was freak like, field, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You hear that. But no, he's totally right, mate. Like, props and wingers don't be doing the same kind of work. Um, but I guess it's like hard. Like, we had Paddy Lane um, from the Sydney Roosters, strength and conditioning coach, and everyone, you know, hands down. They do a lot of, they don't go actually as hard as we thought with nah, their training systems. Nah. But I, think I think with what the Roosters are doing is a lot different to a lot of other yeah. clubs in terms of their SNC yeah. work. But it makes complete sense, mate, isn't it, really? With different positions and 
you're working hard. Yeah, well, well, Brian, Brian Smith, I remember when I was young, Brian Smith kind of was onto this and he split up in the, in the summer, he split up the, the whole squad in three different groups. So there was yeah. your outside backs, your middles and your, like your, your hookers and nine, uh, your halves and nines. And we pretty much hardly trained together throughout the off season. And then when it came together for teamwork, yeah, and he he kind of was like, yeah, he was doing that before anyone kind of thought of it. But somewhere along the lines, coaches that want to, yeah, I feel like coaches want to have control of everyone. Feel like everyone's going to be the same. I don't think I don't think that's a model that's going to work forever. I think eventually coaches are going to say, okay, well, let's start splitting it up and and doing what's best for the individual rather than what's best for team. Yeah, you know, me, me as a coach, like it might feel good to have everyone doing the one thing. Yeah, but it's not going to get the best out of each individual. No, no, of course not. Um. Coming back to the best player question, I want to reverse that um, and ask you, was there one player that you wish you played with? Ooh, yeah, there's a lot I wish I played with. Um, I, yeah, I played against um, Lockie a lot early in my career. He was, he was always like a classic. He's just a great leader. Um, who else was a great look? I grew up loving Joey Johns. I never played against him, but Joey Johns was someone that just made people around him look good. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one of the hardest players I played against was probably, you know, Watmeow at his peak. You know, Watmeow was always Chucky. real hard to handle. Chucky, yeah. Harry boy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Chucky boy. And um, Tom Lolo towards the end of my career. Like he, usually you're one or the other. You're, you're small with great feet or you're, you're big and you just kind of run straight. He's both. Um, but Tom... Tom would have had both, so it was just it was unfair. Like you, you, you couldn't get set to hit him because he'd he'd step and then you, so you kind of have to be, yeah, on your best game when you're playing against him. Yeah, yeah. What about JT? What was he like as a footballer? Obviously, you 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 know you you hear and you see, you know how what people you know he was a goat, but playing yeah. against him, um, you said Lockyer. If you had to compare those two, yeah, oh, I would love to play JT as well. I was thinking of that, but I think. Um, the the best thing about JT is um, he just his how much he like he competed like he wanted to win. Yeah, competitiveness. You know, I saw I still remember we played a game at Paris Stadium and we did a video review the next you know a couple of days later, and there was a couple of tackles he made on the other side of the field that were two try savers that like he came from literally like he should not have been anywhere near that, but he got there to save a tackle try because he cared and he just hated losing. Yeah. Um. So when you got someone as skillful as him. And they can do what he can do on the field, and that wants to win that bad, uh, it just rubs off into everyone. And they, you know they want a grand final as a result of it because they had someone like that to kind of lead the way and, and show them how to play. Yeah, he was a freak. I was actually at that grand final. That was. Oh yeah. Yeah, just randomly, hey, had tickets, but um, yeah, yeah what a night. Far out. That was. Yeah. Some performance. Um, I was I was though for grand final too. <laughs> I was there uh, before. I, are you, are you a doggy fan? Or? Yeah, Love loves him, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's that with this? He's yeah. oh, cool. yeah. Yeah. one yesterday. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, well, yesterday was good for him to go off the bottom of the ladder. I can't see them. I can't see Broncos winning the next two weeks. So. Yeah, don't deserve no way. No way, mate. Yeah, yeah. The doggies, eh? Hey, so you are Lebanese. Yeah, I am, mate. True Lebo. Ask him who his favourite player was, mate. Hey? True Lebo. Thanks. I used to have all the doggies fans. 
like you said to me, when are you going to come home? When are you going to come home? I'm like, I'm going to play there. That's a hazard. Just be like that. Mate, what, Origins. What was, what was it like playing Origins? You played early in your career. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, 20. Actually, I've never really spoke about this. I reckon my first Origin experience, I, I really, I didn't enjoy it at all. Eh? I, um, really? Well, I played game three of 2010. I was under Craig Bellamy. Um, it just, I don't know, I think maybe because I lost the first two games and it was a bit of a dead rubber, but, uh, you know, it was, it wasn't like an enjoyable experience. We didn't have, like, camp wasn't really fun. Uh, yeah. We trained really hard. Uh, it, it, yeah, it just, it just felt like a high intensity NRL game. Like, it just felt like, we were, like I don't know, it just felt like there wasn't much excitement about it in camp. Yeah. Like I said, you know, probably losing the first two, you know, played part of that, played part of that. Um, so I remember leaving camp thinking, you know what, if I don't play it again, I'm not going to need that stress because like, I actually I didn't enjoy it. I was keen to go back. But then the next year, uh, Sticky, so Ricky Stewart comes in and he made the camp. Like, it was the most like, fun thing I've been involved with. Yeah. Um, and he was just like, he was so passionate about it. And, you know, obviously being there from game one, I was, you know, I was, I was really, you know, I was, I was doing the journey from the start of it. And I loved it. So I remember leaving game one thinking, I'm going to do whatever I can to get back there for game two. And, um, I can see how I can see how it turns into an environment where people just you know hunger to be a part of, and I really loved every second of it. He's a passionate character, Ricky Stewart, isn't yeah. he? He doesn't give. He just like he'd love to have a beer yeah. with him. He just come out with everything, wouldn't he? <laughs> he, he honestly like he is one of my favorite coaches I played under. He um yeah he just he, he cares a lot about the guys. He cares about the boys, and he um he's very confident in himself. Like he doesn't care what he what no one thinks about him, which. It's very rare for a coach to have, and it's something that you know it says a lot about the coach when they can just not care what anyone else thinks and just go out there and, and back themselves. And he's definitely like that. How, how many years was he at Para for? He was only there for one year, so it was a bit of controversial time at Para. Yeah, um, sure. he kind of walked. He walked out of the club, and you know, even to this day, there's still a lot of Para fans that are still bitter about it. But I always, you know, sing his praises because uh, I got I just had a lot of time for him. I respected him. Uh, the other thing was, you know, he coached my brother Johnny at Sharks. Um, and he was pretty, like, really supportive of my family and I. Like, you know, there was a time there where Sharks, Johnny got cancer one year into a three-year contract. And, you know, there was talk that the board was wanting to, um, you know, get rid of his, his contract. Uh, and, you know, Ricky came out publicly, so as long as he's coaching, they're honouring that and he's, he's part of the team. Um, you know, he used to come and visit Johnny and my, at my parents' house and come and hang out with us, you know, every few weeks. So, yeah, he, he, did, he showed a lot of care and a lot of that no one would actually be aware of. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, from, I saw what kind of person he was early on, and you know, regardless of how he exited power, I was always um really excited to uh, support him, and even to this day, I always wish him success at Canberra as well. Yeah, he's doing yeah. good down there, isn't he? Yeah. And obviously, yeah. um, Jimmy, that's probably one of the hardest points of your career with you know your brother and you know what you you went went through in that in that part of your career, and it's um. Some you showed, you know, your character, man, how strong you were and handled that. And also how, like, you know, sport at the moment is can be so political, um, you know, with race and everything. And, like, seeing the cup, you know, in honour of your brother that um, you guys play is, is, is super special. And how does that make you feel, mate, like, knowing that, you know, your brother's legacy plays on, man? Yeah, I think, as you know, my family and I, from day one, we were always, you know, super grateful to both clubs. So they didn't have to do that. Um, but by you know by giving us the family a chance to kind of celebrate Johnny's life, it made it made one made things feel you know like there was a bigger purpose. Yeah, you know, even though he died at twenty three, 
you know, you still have an impact to people, you know, and to put in people's lives, even through, not just through, not, not through Johnny Manor Cup, but mm-hmm. a lot of people that, you know, remember Johnny, you know, you always hear stories of how he helped, you know, change their life. So, you know, it was great for us to kind of be able to celebrate his life through the Johnny Manor Cup. Um, and, you know, my family, my mum would, would, would only come to one game a year and it was always Johnny Manor Cup. So it was always like that, yeah. like that special day of the year for the family where they can kind of, you know, remember Johnny, celebrate his life and um, just enjoy, you know, his legacy. So, yeah, we're always really grateful to both clubs for giving us opportunity to do that. Yeah. Hey, I'm a Sharky supporter myself, so that's definitely one oh, nice. special day of the year, brother, that one. Uh, thanks, mate. Jeez. How you know I'll go right to you? I feel like you're uh, nah, mate, we're, scraping in. We're making up the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nah, nah. I don't know. I, I think next year we've got a very young squad, so I think next year we'll, um, I think yeah. we'll go right next year. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Yeah, I think we will. I think we will. You win like fifty to forty or something. As long as SJ That's keeps playing the way he's playing. SJ. Yeah, he's playing good. No, I'm a fan of that Toby Rudolph as well. You guys are right, mate. He was a beast. Yeah, yeah he's good. Yeah, yeah. Funny too, man. He's similar to the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Great. he's good. Oh. Yeah, he's good. Personality, buddy. Um, so I mean, leading in with with, with obviously Johnny Manor. Um, Timmy, you're doing a lot of work now with uh, the Manor Foundation that you created. Just give us a bit of an explanation and sort of describe what, what I mean. You're doing something with Uganda at the moment, I saw. Is it? Yeah. So we um we did we did a, a project in Uganda where we helped fund a, a school development centre over there. Yep. Yep. Um. So last year we ended up taking uh, we took Pappenhausen and Christian Welch over there at the end of last season. Yeah. And um yeah just kind of uh, you know do some do some work in the village that we we did the the school development centre. Um. And we captured all of it on footage too. So I think um, I think there'll be some footage that comes out. But uh, it was a really good time. Those two guys are you know really cool, and the kids over there just was warm to them and loved them so much. So it was uh, it was great to see them out and about, and uh, you know making a difference because you know I think rugby league players get a bad rap every now and then, but you know you, see, you hang out with guys like you know Welch and Pappenhausen, and you just you can understand, I guess, why Melbourne. Had the culture they had because they just you know they they track some you know pretty awesome young kids and both those guys are, are you know quality people as well. Yeah, well, where, where, how's Pappenhausen? You know, I don't know how good is he now? He's a freak, eh? Fuck, they just yeah, break him, yeah. man. Just gum. Yeah, he's Billy he's, Slater. Um, you know, he's gonna be as good as Billy Slater, I reckon. One day, he's fucked on ten years in him. He's a freak. Like he's doing it, mate. They like they'll lose, you know, Cooper Cronk, and then a, you know, a Munster pops up, and they lose a, um, yeah. you know, a Slater. And now Pappenhausen pops up. Chambers goes, all comes in. Yeah. Like, mate, Cameron Smith when he finishes, Harry Grant's going to come in. Oh. Yeah, they just got it. The system there is unbelievable. It's yeah. amazing, eh? Yeah. Um, back to your career, Tony. Um, yeah. Do you have any like regrets? Um, I mean, probably winning the premiership is probably one. <laughs> um, but is there any sort of regrets throughout your career that kind of stand out? Uh, yeah, there's, there's some things. Obviously, the older you get, the wiser you get. And you kind of look back and think, you know, I wish I handled things a bit differently. Um, you know, one thing I did, you know, as, as a captain, uh, yeah, there's definitely things I look back on thinking, you know what, if I had my time again, I probably would have done my leadership a little bit differently. Um, you know, sometimes... You know, you'd, you'd fly the flag, you know, pushing a message that, you know, the coach or someone would want you, would want you to push when you, I didn't believe in it personally. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you kind of sell out your own beliefs to kind of, you know, think you're doing the greater good for the, for the club. But, um, yeah, there's some things I look back on, you know what, I probably I probably sold myself out a bit there. And instead of, you know, going with my gut instinct and, and leading the way I wanted to lead, I kind of 
allowed myself to kind of be, you know, just a messenger and just push messages across rather than do what I wanted to do. Um, so that's one regret. Um, yeah, other than that, there's, there's obviously parts in games, you know, I wish they handled differently as a footy, like, you know, you know whether you, you know, make a pass or whether, you know, you make a tackle or things, things like that, you know, you obviously have regrets, but it's funny, now that I've finished, there's, there's not much footy that goes to my at all. Like, I don't look back and think, think of any games in particular. I don't think yeah. of any, um, like, I feel like, it, I actually enjoy watching footy now. Like, when I was playing, I, didn't, I, I wouldn't want to watch it because you get fed that much video at training and, if you played on a on a Sunday, the last thing I want to do was spend three days watching footy before my game. So yeah, I just, yeah. whereas now as you know, as a retired player, I love it. I just switch on, yeah. watch it, watch some footy, enjoy it, turn it off when you don't want to watch it, and it feels good. Yeah, and you finished the thirty-one, mate. Were you, was it were you close to the Tigers last year? What happened there, or if you can say, or yeah, uh-huh. um, oh, I won't get too much detail because um, you know, I, I just don't want to make anyone look bad. But um, yeah. yeah, I was definitely close. Like um, yeah. And you know the, the Tigers did the right thing by me. I was, I, you know, I've got a lot of respect for, for the Tigers, for Madge, and um, the way the whole thing worked out. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't happen in the end. Um, did you want to keep playing? Like, did you want to keep playing footy, like at somewhere else, or? Well, I, I had this opportunity to. Um, I'd been working with a club one day a week for the last three years of my career, um, working in the commercial department, like yeah. getting ready for transition post football, um, and. Yeah, so one one of the reasons it wasn't the reason, but one of the reasons why we kind of uh, you know finished with what I did was because um, I also had this other job that was yeah. there to be able, to, which wouldn't have been there if you know if I was to go to another club or go overseas. Um, so and it just made the transition a lot smoother. So to go try play a year or two somewhere else, um, and you know and knock back a you know chance to kind of transition to life after footy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably wouldn't have been the smartest idea. And then you know obviously there's a there's a whole a whole bunch of other things that played on in the background that, that didn't yeah. didn't help the situation, which, you know, made the last couple of months of my career, you know, really unpleasant. But um, no, it's sport. It happens to a lot of people. I'm not the first person that, you know, didn't finish exactly the way they wanted to. I probably won't be the last. Yeah, mate, you played like 233 games and like you, it's a lot of footy, isn't it really? Like I, I didn't realise you played so much football. Like it's a long career. You started quite young. young. Yeah. So it's like, fuck it. You would have hit close to three. Like if he played, you know, 33, 34, you'd have hit like 400, 300 games, you know? So, yeah. but yeah, it's like, you know, you know when your time is right, don't you? Yeah. And you had no surgeries, yeah. you career, you played most of it, you know? So it's like, it's fucking great, mate. If you played... Because you see some players, they, they try and push that extra year, don't they? And, and yeah, they, yeah. Um, you know, it's and you know that the year before was their time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look about the football dog. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, mate. And I think sometimes it's a bit of an ego as well. Even though there's a part of me that there's an ego there that wants to play because you know who you guys like, who, who you guys say when I can and can't finish. Yeah. Um, so you just kind of want to prove people wrong, but then you think about it, you know, you kind of waving up and. Um, you just kind of want to put the ego to a side and, and think what's best for you and your family. Yeah, and I think having having something lined up straight away post careers, you know, that's obviously pretty important. Um, I yeah. mean, I mean, did England really kind of jump at you at all? I mean, nah, nah. nah. I, I, I had a you know, I've got a really young family. I've got you know, at the time I had two kids under two, um, and the idea of you know, packing up and moving outside the world for yeah. you know you a year or two. Been tries a season. <laughs> You just got a <laughs> season. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you probably want Man of Steel too. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, you mate. 
it's, it's funny, like you look at plays over there that you know they're playing there. Yeah, they don't go that great, and they go over there, and all of a sudden, like, like this best players in the comp. It's hard, but too like it's a different style of like the quality. Because yeah, these players say they're best wingers in the world. They have Burgess. Come over here. You remember and... Burgess? So you're the best wingers yeah, in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had we had a few, but um, there's some good guys coming out here. Like if you look at the, the, oh, the forwards, boys, and, yeah, 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 Bateman, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tough because the forwards learn how to play the ball a lot over there. They're ball playing a lot better. Like James Graham was one of the first ones that came out from the dogs, and also like oh, you got Morley, and they're just tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sam Burgess is yeah, oh, one fuck. of the best, I reckon. Yeah, he's coming back. He's coming yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> I read something like that. You're thinking about it. I don't blame him because as it like like. like even me, you kind of go to that stage where, like, I'm 32 now, but you start training and you start feeling good and, and you're not getting bashed up every week, so your body feels like the rest of the school in years. And yeah. there's part of you that thinks, oh, man, I wish I thought like someone was playing. I'm like, you know what? You, you know you could do it, but then you kind of get back to reality and you're like, it's not so worth all the... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah all yeah, the other stuff that comes with it. Yeah, season Mate, you're Full off season, the peptides come back. So, so yeah, yeah, that's probably the way to go. It's like 170. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. Um, mate, I want to talk about Lebanon. Yeah. Mate, how yep. about you touring um, Lebanon and stuff, mate? Do you ever go for a tour up there? Do you? Um, I went once. I took I took a bunch of para boys. So I went with Jared, yes, Mitchell, awesome. Nathan Brown, and Michael Jennings. Well, yeah, Jennings, yeah. We, Jennings we, there as well. Yeah. How was that? Do you yeah. love it? Awesome, man. Awesome. My first time back there. Um, and, yeah, it was 2018. We had, we had a blast. We had a good time. But, you know, you look back now, where we stayed, the hotel we stayed, it was literally 300 metres from where that, the bomb went, or that um, explosion yeah, happened. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Did you guys go? Yeah, Beirut. Yeah. yeah oh, nice. Yeah. How was it? Oh, it mate. mate, it was awesome. But same thing. Like, out my hotel I was in was about a K away from that. From where yeah, it was pretty scary, but yeah, I've been yeah. like I've been there like six times in Lebanon, man. Like I've been oh, yeah, wow. six times, yeah. So man, it's so kind of funny. I always say to people like I was born in Sydney, Australia, born on the beaches, but when I go back to Lebanon, like in your village, you feel like you're at home. It's weird. Like you feel like you part of you is always going to be there. Like quite resilient people too, man. And like um, I don't know, like yeah, I love Lebanon, man. I love it. Loving the village. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. There. Did you go a few times over there or just once? No, that was it. That was the only time I went. I actually was keen to go again, but I think the break's on that for a while now. Like, with everyone yeah. traveling. And, yeah. Mate, get good food there. Like, dolphin. Yeah. Get fed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, well, it's so expensive. It's not like, you go out at night. It's expensive still. Like, you're, you're buying some coin. Yeah. But yeah. Some of the best clubs in the world. Good yeah. nightlife, though. Good nightlife. Michael Jennings used to give the uh, security guard at the club, you know, two hundred bucks American, and every time we went to the toilet, it was like it was like the president was walking to the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Together, like, part part of the seat for him, and just like yeah, come, come, come. Big Jennings. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious, mate. Wait, what's the next five, 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 ten years? Yeah. Got um involved in you, mate. Five, ten years. What what are you gonna um, do? I do. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really enjoying this um while working with like the corporate side of sports, so working with sponsors, working with um. Yeah, understanding how how it all works. Uh, I, now that I'm working, I realise like understanding I had of it beforehand is a lot different to the reality. Like, yeah, so much data. It's not like the old days where people just sponsor the club because I love I love power. I want to sponsor the club, but that's not going to happen. Yep. Whereas now, you know, they they would get back to their board with you know with results and and how they, how their money's being invested and you know what return they're going to get. So I kind of understanding all the ins and outs of how you know how that works is you know, pretty exciting. So I'm still learning a lot. 
Um, and also, you know, I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm 32 now. So, yeah, everyone was doing all this 10 years ago when, when they finished school. I was, I'm trying to like get as much experience as I can. So, you know, I do some stuff for the, with the recruitment company. Um, I'm looking to do some, you know, a day or two a week with um, a finance company as well, which um, yep. just, just kind of learn a bit of everything and, and kind of figure out, you know, where I land. Definitely. Awesome, mate. Because you still want to be involved in footy, don't you, mate? You still want to be involved. And you obviously probably miss seeing the boys every day. Is that hard? Like, was it hard? It's been, you know, mate, you spent fucking your whole last 10 years with the boys and your mates. It was a tough transition, like, leaving footy and not... Obviously, still around the club, you probably see them. But yeah. um, just that support, you know, players find it really hard sometimes, like, once they finish. Um, I... I think I actually reckon the transition was a lot smoother because I was still involved with the club. Like, you know, obviously yeah. still having that connection to the club definitely helps the transition post-football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, I've still got a lot of close mates that, you know, we're still playing. So, like, getting able to... Obviously, they're in a the bubble now, but catching up with those boys and staying connected with the boys. Uh, but I've also got a really healthy network. I've got a really healthy group of like, support outside of footy, which I had my whole career. So, the boys I grew up with, uh, you, know, all, you know, all all the guys that you kind of... You know, your, your, your day ones, your guys that you like. Yeah. I never really sold out and kind of, um, you know, bash my mates I grew up with just so I can, you know, come out and play. So, like, when I, when I went through tough times, man, there was always the same group, group of guys that you know, I could always lean on and rely on and always, you know, we always help each other to get through tough times. So, when I, when I kind of finished the footy world, even though you missed that footy camaraderie, I still had that camaraderie, you know, elsewhere. I still had that, you know, same, you know, take the piss out of guys and, had that group of boys I felt comfortable with was still there and it didn't really change that much. Yeah. I think for a lot of players, it's more the routine as well, isn't it? Like mm. that day-to-day, you know what you're doing day-to-day every week throughout the year. Whereas when they retire, it's like they got no structure, no routine. You know, it's yeah. almost like that empty hole for a lot of players. Like, fuck, what do I do now? Yeah, I, I still like to keep a bit of routine. So, like, I'm, yeah, I'm a bit like that. I still like to, um, you know, I still train six days a week. And I like to... Yeah, you know, kind of like have have ready to go what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, that, that's one of the tips they gave us at the um, ordinary retirement workshop was just to make sure you kind of stick to some sort of routine so you don't go crazy. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, the one thing, you know, people ask, I miss footy. I don't miss footy at all. I don't miss playing at all. Like the playing side of it, um, the pressure and the, I guess the politics and the scrutiny and all that stuff that comes with footy, I don't miss. Um, but what I do miss is. That feeling after a game, so like especially after a win, and coming to the sheds after a game, and you know everyone just worked their butt off, and they just kind of just buggered, and everyone's just happy. Um, and then you know the next 24, 48 hours after a win, that's that's probably what I miss the most. So that's all. It's always um, a great feeling, and something you can't really replicate in the real in, in the real world, like outside of footy. It's hard to explain to someone, I guess the um, the endorphins you get, or you know the feeling you feel after you you know you that fatigued after a game, and you got the result, you got the win. Yeah. And yeah. it's a feeling you get after that. That's mad. And those pre-game nerves, you can't you can't get that anywhere else. Oh, well, actually, I was on the phone with Nathan Brown this morning. I was telling him he was because he's playing tonight, so he's telling me to do that. You know, he's brookie, what he's eating. I said I wasted. I played two hundred and thirty-three games. I reckon I wasted almost a year of my life because game day I used to be at home. And I used to do nothing. I used to like wake up, make brekkie, have a stretch, watch some TV, have lunch, have another two-hour nap. Have a stretch, ready to go to the game, and like I wouldn't leave the house. Yeah, yeah at the hotel on a away game, same thing. I'd, I'd be like a bear in hibernation. I'd close the curtains, have a sleep. Mm-hmm. I used to be with Pui, Pui early in my career, and just just copy him. And that's just 
you know, but you look back now and there's so many game days. Where, like, it's, it's a lot of days and you add them all up of, of days of just doing absolutely nothing yeah. preparing for a game. <laughs> Big yeah. Brownie, he's a good, he's a character, isn't he, Brownie? I love watching Brownie. He loves just going to the fucking whacking blocks. Ah, he's he's my favourite. The source, he um, he's definitely got a screw loose somewhere. Oh, he's he, Italian, he's Italian, he's, isn't he? He looks, he's white. He sounds like a wolf. Yeah, he's hard, hard pass. So he, his dad's Aussie, and he loves the Italian. Yeah. Um, surely you missed the Mad Mondays. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, well, you, right, it's during huh? that time of year. Well, that you know what I think. Footy players aren't nowhere near as bad as the real world. Now that I'm working in the corporate world and you go oh, to a corporate lunch, oh. no, you go to a lunch and I want to drink this for four hours. I'm yeah. like, hey, this, this never happened. Like, oh, yeah, eating food it either. happened, happened, but rarely like, <laughs> during the footy season. Uh, but to me, some of these guys are doing it, you know, weekly on a weekly basis. I'm like, mate, footy players got nothing on you guys. Uh, oh, mate, that was. Uh, we had some good mad Monday. <laughs> I thought it was a power. Did you guys play together? Yeah, yeah. When our Mad Monday, we were, we were, when we were playing for Narrabeen, and we had a we had a boat thing, and, and we saw the West, Tiger Boys. The West Tigers were on the side <laughs> of the boat. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> good fun, good fun. Uh, everyone has that same sigh when they talk about that Monday. Oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you, you realise you wish I could have gone harder. I could have gone harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can genuinely say that some guys I know that couldn't have gone harder. They they left yeah. everything out there. <laughs> oh, it's so good, eh? Yeah. Oh, Timmy. Mate. Oh. Pleasure. All right, that went quick. What, yeah. So, what, what do you guys do? Mate, um, so we own EP Performance, so strength and conditioning gym. Um, yeah. On beaches. And then the podcast, mate, is more just, you know, for a bit of fun. Like we're obviously passionate about rugby league and yeah. health and fitness. Um, and we love talking, you know, to yeah. people like yourself and so forth. And so the podcast is more just about that, just representation of us, um, a bit of awareness with Brand, and yeah, yeah just laughing, just like chatting about footy and that pretty much. Yeah, so. um, yeah, different type of guests, man, as well. Eh? So it's cool just hearing a story, man, because some people yeah. like hear it from the, the horse's mouth sometimes, yeah. and just yeah. you know, I think yeah. human in the end day, eh? footy players and psychologists and. Help, help one person. There's a Paris brother. What's he your, your story? And it's awesome. You know, people love it. They yeah, love no, it. thanks, man. Appreciate it, boys. Been awesome, Mate, it's man. been awesome having you on, Timmy. No, right, thanks for having me. Catch up with you. Legend, brother. Hey, boys. See you later. Thanks,